series called Stay Focused. And what we're talking about for the first three weeks of this series is our mission statement. Living Spring has a mission statement, and here's what it is. It is to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to a healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so last week, I showed you our concentric circles and all of that, and I explained that um, in reaching, basically when the call of Jesus is to follow, uh, closer is the goal. You're not trying to arrive at some place. Uh, closer is the goal when you're called to follow. And this morning, what we're going to talk about is the restore part of our mission statement. Both how we restore, Living Spring, uh, hopes to bring restoration to our community and to those who call Living Spring their church home, and then also to bring restoration to our places of business and our families and uh, all the people that we come in contact with. Because we believe that not only is Living Spring those who, of you who are here and those who are watching online, um, but it's also the people that we uh, come into contact with. And our goal is to become so much like Jesus that Jesus actually is in your workplace as you represent him. And so we're going to talk about that this morning as we talk about restoration. Now when I Say restoration, for some of you, you might be thinking of, um, you know, restoring old furniture, restoring cars, restoring all, all these different things. Really, the Bible has a word for restoration. It's called shalom, and it's the way things are supposed to be. It's universal flourishing. So when I say rest restoration or restore, we're just talking about what Jesus talked about when he said this. I pray that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So that the restoration process is essentially that our lives are so transformed, and your life is so transformed that, that when we arrive someplace, when we are in an organization or we're at, at a family dinner or um, we're out on a date or whatever, um, the kingdom of God is actually flourishing in that environment. Now, uh, I had a 66 Mustang that I was going to restore. Um, now, the picture I'm about ready to show you is not that Mustang, but uh, this, this one is a 66 uh, Fastback. That's why it has the back like that. And so, um, and, and that wasn't mine, so you don't need to, you know, throw things at me or anything. But when you look at this car, and maybe you're different than, than me, um, you think, like, que lastima, like, what a shame, right? Because... We all look at this and know that isn't right, that that's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, maybe you're one of those people who are like, you know, give it to me for a week and I'll have it fixed up. And, okay, all right, good for you, Paps Blue Ribbon guy. I just, I'm just saying that <laughs> I, I, I wasn't that guy, okay? And so this was my Mustang uh, that I actually owned, and uh, it looks a lot better than it actually was, I say was, because uh, it is exiled in Australia right now. Um, but that car, uh, the goal of it was that I would have a daily driver that I could fix easily, because I'm not that great with cars. I could learn about cars. And then, um, and then you know, maybe someday, like after I gave it a new paint job and kind of got it all together, I, 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 you know, maybe I could, I could show it, you know, in like a little 
you know, neighborhood car show or whatever. Garden Grove, where we're located, has, has a car show, and maybe I could show it for a car show. So, so that was the dream. That was the goal. When you look at that car, you know exactly what it's supposed to look like when it's restored. Okay, you have a vision in your mind. Maybe it's not that color. Maybe it's not. But you know it wasn't the, the car we saw before, right? So we, know, we understand that. Here was my actual reality with the car most of the time. And uh, that was, I decided to take it uh, an Azusa Canyon and, you know, kind of, I don't know, open it up a little bit on the things. And so that's, that's my reward for that. Uh, it broke down. And uh, you can see the taillights are on, the brake lights, because the brake lights were always on. I could never get that fixed, <laughs> right? Not only was, were the brake lights always on, but the horn would honk without me even touching it or having anything to do with it. So I'd be at a light, honking at the person in front of me with my hands up like, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, right? And so um, I, it was cool. And, you know, the other, the other thing about this car, about being at a light, is people would, like, yell to you randomly and then be like, yeah. Like, they were excited about this restoration process. Like, I, now I drive a Hyundai Sonata. No one ever has gone, yeah, <laughs> Hyundai Sonata, way to go, man, love it. I had one when I was a kid, you know, right? No one does that. No one does that. Here's how the car was typically. It was in my uh, garage, and um, you, everything's pulled out. I'm trying to get all the wiring fixed up so that the brake lights don't stay on the entire time. The hood's up. Um, and then I have my son's scooter so I can actually get around town. Um, and so th there, there it is. And so that was kind of my reality to s restoring, quote unquote, this car. And for me, I realized some things about myself and about restoring cars that um, I wanted to share with you because I think we're going to get to the Bible, by the way, trust me, um, that I think uh, this will help encourage you and help maybe have you rethink what does it really look like to be restored by God? What does it really look like to have my life, maybe I feel like, maybe you felt like that 66 fastback, and you're like, I'm useless. I'm just sitting in a field. My tires are flat. Everything's rusted out. There's no hope for me. Maybe you feel like that. Well, let me show you why I, I'm not good at restoring cars. And maybe you'll find some, uh, some things that resonate with you. And then we're going to look at a parable that Jesus talked about that gives us some insight. And then I'm going to show you, so I brought Sheila, uh, what, maybe another way to consider the way God might be restoring your life even now. So here's some things of why I'm not a good restorer of cars. Uh, one is I feel like the goal is perfection. Like the goal is getting it back to factory original. Like that's it. Like anything short of that is, is kind of like we still have so much to go. We still have a long way to go. The goal is perfection. Um, I notice everything wrong with that car. You might have looked at it and said, wow, that was really nice. That's a nice cherry uh, red. Like, well, if you got up close, 
the paint job wasn't that great. That's like a zoom filter on it. I don't know why that looked good, but when you get up real close, uh, it had all sorts of issues with that uh, paint. So I noticed everything wrong, and it's always like, how far are we? How far are we? Um, I'd never celebrated any successes. So I put in power steering uh, in the car, and I just didn't, I, once I finished it, it was like, ah, I got so much to do. I could never uh, celebrate successes. There was too much to be done. I didn't enjoy the process. Like the process always felt like failure to me because it was like, oh man, I'm, I'm learning how to do it. I'm trying to figure it out. The process is failure. And then I didn't understand what was actually required. It was a buddy of mine that convinced me to buy the car. And he's like, it's so easy to fix. It's so easy. I was told the process would be easy or a quick fix and you could just be on your way. It wasn't that way. And along with that was the idea that I started with unrealistic expectations. I, th I thought, man, this will be fast. I can, I can get it done. And I can drive it while I'm doing all this work. Um, one of the things about me, I, I would demand to do it on my own, but I just couldn't. I was constantly, constantly asking people for help. Help to call a tow company. Help to, you know, lift something out of it. Help to put seats in it. Help to, like, how do I, wh what do I do with this wiring and all this stuff? I, I really wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to be that guy who's just like, you go into the their, their uh, garage, and it's just like pristine. Um, my friend Michael is that way. His car is just like, I'm not worthy, right? And so I wanted to be that guy, but I just couldn't. I, I, I couldn't do it. And then the other thing is restored cars reminded me of what mine was not. So I was driving my car, and then I'd go buy a car show. I hate those people. I like, they'd always remind me, like, look, and then they sit in a lawn chair, and everything's completed, everything's done. And maybe for you, for those of you watching online, and maybe you're watching online, because that's what you feel like church is. It's like a car show. You show up, everybody looks perfect. Everyone's got their hood up, look at the engine. I mean, some of the, I walked by, I went out by a car show one time. This guy had his engine up, and I think he had rubbed lotion on all the wires. I mean, even the wires looked beautiful and supple and wonderful. And then I get back to my car, and I'm like, ugh. And maybe you feel that way. You, you went to church, or maybe you left church, or when, maybe when the pandemic came, and you, you, you were kind of allowed to watch online or to be a part, you were like, oh, Finally. I'm not driving my rusty old undercarriage into that car show. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea that maybe this isn't the kind of restoration Jesus is talking about. Maybe this isn't the kind of restoration that your heavenly father created you for. Maybe this process of shalom takes a little bit longer. Maybe... It has a little more steps to it. And maybe we can celebrate every little tiny step that brings us closer to Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, head into the book of Matthew. Um, and what Jesus is doing is he's talking about this idea of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so this idea that you can actually experience the presence of God, you can experience what transformation looks like here on earth, rather than just surviving here on earth and waiting for that day you die, and then you get to be in heaven, and everything will be great. That's wonderful, and that should happen, and you should accept Jesus and go to heaven. My point is, in the meantime... Jesus has provided us a model and teachings and a way. He said, follow me. He didn't say arrive with me. We talked about this last week. And if you want to uh, watch last week, you can go online and go to our website. and it's, Everything's all there. It's to follow. It's to get closer. Little by little by little. All right, so Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and he's giving a bunch of different um, examples. It's like a lost coin. It's like a lost sheep. It's like all these different things. And then he gives this example. Again, it, which is the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Okay, so he brings them all together. Almost like a church service, as we would do, where we just kind of all come in, all different, all from different backgrounds. Hopefully, if our church is doing what it's supposed to do, we all have different paint jobs. We all have different cultures. We all have different socioeconomic perspectives. He calls them all together. And he entrusted, and this is one of the keys that I want you to see this morning, his wealth to them. He doesn't teach them about their wealth. He entrusts his wealth to them. And here's what he does. To one, he gave, so make sure we know it's his wealth. They're just managing it. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Not according to their value, just according to what they can handle, according to what, how they were created, according to what the master came and he saw all his servants, and so he bestowed this upon this person, this upon this person, this upon this person. Just a little spoiler alert. What he's talking about is the fact that you and I, unbeknownst to us, have been given certain things that we are to manage. You say, John, if you met my family of origin, you would just run screaming. Okay, that, he has given you that to manage. How are you going to bring the kingdom of heaven into your life, even with that family of origin? You say, John, it's not my family of origin. It's my current family that's so dysfunctional. Okay, he's given you that to manage according to your ability. You say, John, my body type is um, not athletic. It's not the way uh, the society would say. I mean, this is it. Okay. He's given you that to manage. John, I've never made that much money. I'm not good with money. Okay, fine. Each according to our ability. You are in the state you're in, in the position you're in, by design, by God. All of us different. All of us different. We're not all Mustangs waiting to be restored to the perfect level. That is not the kingdom of God. So he gave five bags to one accord. And then he just goes. He goes on his journey. Doesn't give him any instructions. Doesn't give him ideas. Though basically you got it and you go, huh, well, well, what am I supposed to do with this? 
right? So that's what he does. Now watch. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, just went in and put his money to work. You ever meet those people? I don't like those people. That's what he does. He puts it to work, and he gains five more bags, five bags more, right? The one with the two bags of gold gained two more bags. So you can begin to see what, where Jesus is going, and this is, a good, this is what a good parable does. It, it, it gives you an idea, but it's a really easy to make the link of what's going on. This, I, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out what Jesus is saying. He's saying God has given us things according to our ability. This is where the situation we're at. And all he wants, all he's expecting, is just a return, just to see it grow. That's it. He doesn't say to the two-bag person, I want ten bags when I get back. But I'm only giving you two, so it's going to be harder for you. No, you got two, we get four. So doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. He gained five more bags. Also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Hid his master's money. Remember, the money was given to this person to manage. Your time here on earth is given to you to manage. Your relationships on this earth are given to you to manage. You say, well, I wish I had started off with 10 bags. It would have been a lot easier. This is the brilliance of Jesus' sermon. It's the same. It's the same ratio. You go from 5 to 10. You go from 2 to 4. You go from 1 to 2. It doesn't matter. What we understand from the parable is that God has shaped you in a way And God has put you and I in different positions at different places in life and said, I'm going to give you this to manage. Our question is not, have we become perfect? Have we, uh, I can't become this thing that I'm supposed to become and that everybody's a, a restored Mustang. And when I go down the street and I see the way this person's, driving or how they're going, I just look at myself and I go, oh, man. Doesn't that feel like you sometimes, like the Mustang thing? Maybe you started off with wrong expectations. Like you were like, I'm going to accept Jesus and my life will get better. And then your life gets worse. (laughs) Or you're like, I'm going to go to this Bible study. I'm going to fix this one problem of mine. And you're still working with that problem over and over and over again. You're still struggling with anxiety. You're still struggling with these things. And you look over and you see someone else and it just looks like they know everything about the Bible and they've got it all figured out and nothing bothers them. And how do they get to that? Well, maybe, maybe instead of them being a Mustang like you, just like you, maybe they're a different car completely. Maybe... God has just entrusted you with you. And that's all you have to manage. You don't have to manage other people's expectations. You don't have to manage any of that. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug it in the ground, okay, hid his master's money. After a long time, so when we weren't expecting it or whatever, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Okay? Okay? So he just comes back and says, how are you doing? 
All right, that's all this scripture says. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Now, if I were Jesus and I could just, or if I could just talk to Jesus, I would just say, Jesus, this is, do you have to have the five bag guy? I, just, we don't, no one needs five bag guy. Okay, we just, that, that guy's annoying. It's like he, it seems like everything works out for him. And you, you, you might have a guy at work or a lady at work, we'll call her five bag girl. It just is like, man, you know, she's like, I don't know, I need to get married. And then it's like, oh, you married George Clooney. Great for you, five bag girl. Good for you, right? So I, I would change it, but it, I've done some study, and you're not allowed to change Jesus' words. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So you can't, you're not allowed to do that. So I can't do that. I have to take it, whatever, whatever it is. But what's encouraging about five bag guy and five bag girl is Jesus doesn't care how many bags he entrusted you with. He cares about what you did with the bags he gave you. He cares about what we do now. And this, is, this can be so freeing because I don't have to be five bag guy or two bag girl. I just look and I say, what did my master give me that's his? Ultimately, I am his. The Bible says it this way. You've been bought with a price. You're not even your own now. Right? You've been bought with a price. If I'm a follower of Jesus, my life is not my own anymore. And he says, here's what's going to happen. And this is what we do in baptism. You've died with Christ. Okay? And then you're raised to walk in newness of life. And so there you go. What are you going to do with the talents I've given you? What are you going to do with your time? What are you going to do with your emotions? What are you going to do with your mental health? What are you going to do with the family that you're in right now? That's all he cares about. He doesn't say, look at that Mustang over there. I'm so proud. That must. Oh, man, that is beautiful. You backfire. Get out of here. Go, go to the shop. Right? It's not what he says. See, I've gained five more. His master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Huge point right here. You have been faithful with a few things. To the master, he, he doesn't view five bag guy like you and I do. We think, oh man, we only have two. He's got five. He must be that much better than me. Your master just goes, Dah, five bags. I got billions of bags. Just, I gave you five, I gave you two, whatever. But what did you do with those five bags, those few things to your heavenly father? He doesn't look at it the way we look at it. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Okay? Again, nobody's talking anymore about how many bags they were given. It was, that's not like five bag guys better. His master replied with the exact same words. Exactly. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. What I've given you. What I've asked you. What I've entrusted to you. That's all you're responsible for. Is to become what God has you become. 
Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, <laughs> yeah, one bag guy, sorry, uh, master, he said, I knew. Listen, when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus, this is a horrible place to start. Horrible. I, 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 I knew. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've done it in all the different ways you can say I knew it. But I knew, okay? I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, okay? Well, if you knew that, if that's your vision of your master, what's, what's your response? And watch what his response was. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is a game changer for some of us who have really struggled with this restoration process. He says, so I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid to try. I was afraid to invest. I was afraid that my baptism, where I've died with Christ and I'm raised to walk in newness of life, that I didn't change at all. And so why would I try to change and then fail? Why, why can't I just say, I'm just a one bad guy? What am I going to do? I just, I just, that's all I can do. And for some of you, you're afraid to forgive because you're afraid that you might not get a return on that investment? For some of you, you're afraid to deal with your anxiety because you're afraid that uh, if, if you don't try to manage your own life, then your life's not going to get managed, and so you have to stay in control, and so you walk around with this baggage where you were never supposed to be in control. That was supposed to be left. And you say, I'm afraid. I'm just going to bury my anxiety in the ground. I'm just going to medicate my way out of here. He says, I was afraid. Listen, there is no fear in the follow. All he's asked us to do is follow. There's no fear in the follow. Perfect love, the Bible says, casts out fear. And Jesus is the perfect example of love. And so there's no reason to be afraid to address your anger. There's no reason to be afraid to address your insecurity to address your failures. There's no fear in the follow. Since I was afraid, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. This is all I got. I, see, this is the way you created me. What am I going to do? I can't change. I can't be restored. I can't, I just, look, I just, I, I confess, I, I need you as a savior, whatever it is. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, it's so brutal, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Now, just so, okay, so when you read the Bible, I tend to read a lot into the Bible just because I love the Bible so much. I just, I'm always looking for little cool little treats and gifts and stuff like that. It's like a video, Easter egg in a video game. I'm always look, hunting for stuff, right? Sometimes you just read the Bible the way it's supposed to be written. But when there's a question like this, I kind of think about to myself, like, what, how could he have asked this question? So, like, he could have said, so you, 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 th you think you know me? You, you think that's how I was going to respond? When I, when I entrusted you with this, you, you thought I, I, that I, I'm a harsh, I'm a harsh master? Is that, is that really what you think? You knew you knew how I was going to respond to you? If you had just invested it, you were afraid 
that I was going to punish you for trying? Like what? So that's kind of how I read it. But, but it might not be that way. It might just be like, well, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And here's what he says. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, you can read this as, I knew it. If I mess up, he's going to take all my resources and take everything and give it to five bad guy. And then I'll be like a total failure. And I knew that was what's going to happen. That is not your master. It is not your heavenly father. It is not your king, Jesus. That's not how it works. The story of the parable, remember what the question was. What is the kingdom of heaven like? And the kingdom of heaven is like this. When you invest what little you have, what little you have been entrusted with, when you invest that, there is a massive return on investment. And then you get more of the kingdom of God. The Bible says it this way, the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if I allow the Spirit of God to take over, if I allow Jesus as my king and I obey him and I say I'm not afraid, I'm going to immediately put it to work. It just keeps returning again and again and again. And then you find yourself like maybe three and a half bag guy. <laughs> maybe maybe 2.75 bag girl. Because God says, well done. Well done. Well done. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. So I wanna I'm gonna give you a way to think about um, your restoration process a little bit, uh, a little bit different than cars. And so we're gonna switch metaphors and I want to show you this piece of wood right here uh, this 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 is Roger okay I name every piece of wood I work with okay this is Roger he came from um, uh, again thank you at vintage 55 restorations that you can see there's some slabs I you, this is my driveway there's a bunch of slabs on here but this is Roger I decided to work with Roger first because he was so jacked up he was so jacked up. This is all rotted out here. Like the best part of Roger is his, whatever you want to call that, his posterior. I don't know what we call it, but that, that was like the most salvageable part of him. Um, and so um, I didn't know what to do with him, but I wanted to try and experiment. So I put him in, a, in this giant planer that, we, anyway, anyway, here's how Roger turned out when I was done with him. This is in my front yard, um, and um, th this is just a, well, I didn't know what to do with him, so I just made him a t like, like a bar top in my front yard, right? This, all that rotted out area, these are all resin pores that go in there, and I, I, I don't show you this to, see, the point of what I'm trying to say is not that, look, look at what I did. I, I swear to you, anyone can do this. It's not like restoring a Mustang. You just have to be patient, and you have to have no expectations. <laughs> and you got to just keep working, and keep learning, and keep trying. And so that's why, here's another uh, thing of Roger. The reason I showed you this one is um, because of this, this some of this uh, grain is amazing, and all that grain was hidden up by just being weathered, and being broken down, and being beaten. 
just being neglected. It's all under there. It's all under there. Now, I, imagine if I started with Roger and I said, Roger, you have to be at the end a hutch because every piece of wood should become a hutch. You got to be a hutch, right? That's not what Roger was created for. I really do believe Roger was created to be in my front yard. Anyway, um, but that, that's, that's, that's Roger. So um, here's, this is Sheila. Uh, so that's how I got Sheila. And um, she was pretty uh, weathered. This is all cracked and dried out. And she had a bunch of uh, rot in her. And this is where she is now in the, in the process. Uh, it's the same, same slab of wood. And if you notice, um, so what you have to do or what I'm doing with her, I don't know what she's going to become yet. I think she's going to become an entryway uh, piece when you first walk in. You throw your keys on her, whatever. She's, she's fine with all that. We've talked about it. Um, but, uh, but if you notice, like I've had to section this out because um, all these little burl things need to be dug out and then will ultimately be filled with resin. Uh, and so you section it out because I know from the very beginning that I'm going to have to do this in stages. I don't expect that I'm going to just do all this at one time. And I'm comfortable with the stages. And actually, she looks beautiful right now. More beautiful than that. But she's not even in her completed state yet. I finished a table uh, a, a few months back with a black resin pour in the middle that I thought was going to be a coffee table. It's a trampoline for my granddaughter. <laughs> She's just like stepping all over this thing. I wouldn't let her step on my Mustang. Are you kidding me? This is why I love working with wood and people. And hopefully you take what we saw about the cars and thinking about maybe that's you. It's taking too long, and, and you keep seeing all these people who are perfect, uh, perfection, and the church is just a showroom, and every time I see those people, I want to vomit because they're so perfect, and their hoods are up, and look at how great we are, and look, I don't have anxiety, yay, and you're just like, I got to get out of here. God forbid you get to know some of those cars, and you realize the bottom's all rusted out, right? Maybe that's why you don't go to church anymore, too. All right, so here's, here's what I love. And this is how I see God talks about us being restored. There's a standard of beauty, but not conformity. We know that when we see Sheila before, before we put her in the planer, we know that she looks better now, right? But you don't know what she's supposed to look like or what she can look like. I could cut her into strips and make a cutting board. Who knows? Who knows? There's a standard of beauty, but not conformity. She doesn't have to be like every other piece of wood. She's created a certain way. Flaws become the greatest points of interest. When you look at Roger, I took out all his rot. That, those black streaks are like, whew. I don't know about you, but I love Roger. But those black streaks are, are, are what is important. So your, your greatest flaws, uh, she's got some flaws. We're not, she's here, so we're not going to tell her, say what they are. But I'll, you can email me. Uh, the community openly shares successes and failures. I didn't find this in the car community, and maybe you are a car person and you do find that, but in the wood community, people just like go, oh, I messed up here, I messed up there. Oh, this was so stupid. I shouldn't have done this. I put this stain on this wood. It should never go on pine. Don't ever do that. Oh, man, you're dealing with oak? Use this blade. Use this and that. I, I love that. That's what the church should be. 
We openly share our successes and our failures. There's never anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with her. Okay? There's just potential and process. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Just potential and process. Some of you need to hear that. Maybe it's someone online. There is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing you can do about design. It is what it is. She's myrtle, by the way. That's the, that's the uh, type of wood. She could have been pine. She could have been anything. But there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing you can do about your design. You, you're, you are who you are. You're just a piece of wood. Now it's time to process and potential. The process is learning, not failure. And so on a Mustang thing, you, there's a certain thing everyone knows it has to look like that. But for you, you might be dealing with some issues in your life and you are just learning. You're, you're processing. There are very clear best practices, which I will tell you, you should be in the Word every day. You should be praying. You should be doing all those things. There are best practices. That is, that is for sure. You should be in community. Until there isn't, like, it doesn't fit, like, you, you have to adapt or die. You can't just sit the way you are, right? But there are very clear best practices to help you get through those things. You don't fix, you uncover. All she does is get exposed more and more and more. You uncover. And then finally, this wood has a natural trajectory. You have a natural trajectory and that you should be used in that. As the worship band comes back up, I want to leave you with just one last thing that comes from the book of Luke. And it says this. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful in much. What this means is God doesn't care about how much you change, how fast. He has given you so many bags. He's given you so many talents, so many resources, so much time, whatever he, he has. He's given you those things. And they might be little things. But to the extent you're faithful in just those little things, you are faithful in so much. Celebrate your victories. We're going to end with a song that we were singing um, in the, the last song we sang called The Blessing. And uh, we're just going to take some time to reflect and you can come up to the stage and pray. A lot of people will just come up and, and pray and kneel and, um, and, and, and ask the Lord to help. They might, you might be asking God to help you with a struggle. You might be asking God to help you with your mindset of like, God, I am the piece of board that I am. Just use me to the extent that you would use me. I want to be faithful with little. Some uh, might need prayer at the cross or something you're really going through. You'd like someone to lay hands on you and pray for you physically right there. We can do that too. But this song, The Blessing, is really uh, a great indication of what a woodworker might sing over a piece of wood they're working with. Not that I've ever sung that much to Sheila, but if I did, uh, it's just this idea that 
let's go. Let's do it. Let's take what you have and like let his favor be upon you for a thousand generations to your family and your children and their children and their children. That this is a way God can use you the way he designed you, not the way he designed the person sitting next to you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, these things are so difficult uh, to keep in our minds especially when things are hard and we feel like we failed and we feel like everybody's doing it so much better. God, would we be a shop, not a showroom? Would we be comfortable being with others and being ourselves? Would we be the type of people that accept what we've been given and we immediately put it to work? We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Stand for the blessing. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His peace, in His strength, in His joy, in His wisdom. He created you for great things. We'll talk about that next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.